A house is made of wood and stone, but only love can make a home. Welcome to the Repco Light Home Improvement Show, helping you make your home into one you'll love even more. On News Radio Wood 1300 and 1069 FM. Well, good morning, everybody. Happy Saturday. Happy Saturday, Dan. Happy Saturday to you, Dan. Yes, it's like I wanted to have a song. What, that we would sing? A jingle? Yeah, yeah with, with <laughs> Betsy. I tried it, and she refused. Ab- oh. And then, yeah, but it was, she had reason to refuse, because it was really terrible. The song? The song Did was- Did you it write was, it? No, it was that S-A-T-U-R-D-A-Y night song. Oh, yeah, song. right. But I rewrote- the Bay City Rollers. Yes, I rewrote it to Saturday morning, and then I had- Oh, yeah, that does sound absolutely awful. It was awful. really bad. It's recorded. If you haven't heard it- I never it, want to hear it. No, thank you, but no. Anyway- yeah, happy Saturday. I don't even know where I was going. I got all sidetracked. Yeah. Now, you mentioned before we went on the air, right before we went on the air, that I needed to ask you about your new swimming pool. Yeah. And I think it's a really crazy time of year to be talking about this. Right, yeah. So I'm curious. I, I, what, I was not expecting that we would be talking about a swimming pool What, either, what do but, you have for a swimming pool? Yeah, well, um, I wasn't planning on it, but uh, we do have a oh. swimming pool in our backyard now. Oh, because yeah. of rain? Uh, no, this was because of a water main break. Oh, no. Yeah. What happened? Uh, well, what happened is uh, one day last week, I walked out to the car in the morning to go to work, <laughs> and I see a little river of water running down the street. Oh, and it's, it's not coming, normal. Not normal, no. It's coming from our backyard. So it's it's kind of like uh, the Beverly Hillbillies, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and there's oh, the, stuff yes, bubbling yes. out of the ground. <laughs> was it, what is it called, black gold, yeah, Texas tea? Yeah, it was Texas tea. No, it was not. <laughs> it was clear liquid. It was water. Well, at least it was clear liquid. Yes, right. At least that. It, it didn't smell. It's not sewer water. It's, fr- it's fresh water. Wow. So, yeah, it started this whole process of... Back hose digging huge holes in my yard. Oh, and, really? Yeah, and it's not over yet because what's happening is as they're digging with the backhoe, well, first of all, they're hitting everything except trying, they're trying to find where this water line is that goes in, into the house, mm-hmm. but they're not able to find it. So they're now they're digging another hole and another hole. And they are finding things like underground Bodies? underground sprinkling oh, wa- oh. lines and the drain line, you know, the sewer line. They broke through all those things. They found oh, all kinds no. of Right. But they haven't found where it comes into the house yet, unfortunately. And well, the, the holes that they've been digging have been filling in with water because the water table's so high. Oh my gosh. And, and so they can't even they can't even see to the bottom of the hole because water is just filling in so quickly. All in your backyard. Yeah. So you can just sit there and watch them work. Yeah. If and, you want to. Right. And it's pretty depressing. So I'm I'm not and, and you know what it makes me think of is this show is called the Home Improvement Show. But this is not an improvement at all. <laughs> you know, this is just getting me back to where I was uh, two weeks ago. No, but you won't have a yard. Right, you've got I won't all have these to holes. mow. Is that an improvement? <laughs> well, an and I have a swimming pool right now. Yeah, it's, just <laughs> it's kind of muddy it's and kind of gross. Outside, right, but... it's not really pool weather, but I do have actually two swimming pools in my backyard right well, now. All right. Well, maybe that will help other people feel better about their day. <laughs> it helps me feel better about mine. Right. Well, on the show today, we'll just move on because that's actually quite depressing. When I think about well, thanks. It. <laughs> just want to contribute. On the show today, we've got a lot of things planned. We're going to be answering a question from a customer about the clear coatings for wood that we talked about last week. Right. We got a great question. A about, follow up there about friction polishing. We're going to dig into that. We're going to talk about vehicle storage tips. Right. If you just put your vehicle into storage for the season, or you're going to your toy car. Yeah. There's some things that you'll want to make sure you catch. Yep. And then we're going to wrap up the show with some 
holiday ideas, some get-together ideas that could be done virtually. If you're choosing to not all get together, you want to have something to do so you can all still stay connected this holiday season, and we've got some ideas to cover that. But right now, in the last little bit that we've got in this segment, I want to tackle a question that we received on our chat function at repcolite.com, and it was really, really a, a great question. We got a customer who asked and wondered what ceiling paint to put in her bathroom, okay? Mm-hmm. Now, maybe that doesn't sound like such a great question, but it is because there's so many components to it, so many things to think about. Ceilings, when you paint a ceiling, you generally want to use the flattest finish you can right. use in most situations because it it's just a lot easier to work with. It doesn't show... The shinier a Hides finish imperfections. is... Right. It, it exposes imperfections, lap lines when you're rolling, things like a that. shinier paint does. Right. Yeah. It'll show those things and highlight them. In a bathroom... You generally, the, the old rule of thumb has always been that you've got to have We have to a have some moisture finish. resistance. We have to have some, yeah. Yeah, a flat finish on a bathroom wall, a, a standard, typical flat paint on a, on a bathroom wall. We would a, never have recommended right, right. generally. So what do you put on a bathroom ceiling? And the, the reason it's so fun is because Benjamin Moore has the perfect solution. And they do. Or a bath and spa. We've talked about it plenty on the show, but it's a super high-end paint. It's made for high-moisture areas, which is why, Dan, they call it bath and spa. Interesting. Isn't that? I had never thought of that, Dan. <laughs> I know. It's, it's fun to point out the obvious. But it, it's designed for high-moisture areas. You can get it in any Benjamin Moore color. It's Aura, and it's matte finish. So it's a great bathroom ceiling paint. It's also just a great bathroom paint. If you don't want to go to those shiny walls in your bathroom, Aura Bath and Spa is probably the way to go. And it has mold and mildew resistance built in. Mold and mildew resistance built in. That's about it. Right? I think that's Looks like we've hit our time limit. We've solved that person's problem. (laughs) Now we're going to take a break, and then when we come back, we're going to be talking about vehicle storage tips, things you need to do if you're putting your vehicle away for the winter. We've got all of that coming up next. Stay tuned. Helping you turn your house into your dream home. This is the Repco Light Home Improvement Show, presented by Benjamin Moore on News Radio Wood 1300 and 1069 FM. And we're back, and we want to talk about car storage tips because it's that time. Right, if, if you have a hobby car. Right. If you've got something of value, you know, I drive a Ford Transit Connect. <laughs> it's in the upper van. tier, upper tier of cool vehicles, don't you yeah. think? Oh yeah. Would as you far agree? as commercial vans go, it's right up there. Yeah, it's really, really, yeah. I don't store that over the winter. No, you don't. No, but some people have 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 really cool cars, or well, even, or vehicles, or boats, or whatever. Right. Well, even it doesn't even necessarily have to be a really cool car to store it. Some people just don't want to drive certain vehicles in the wintertime. Right. And so it's that time of year. Right. In fact, a lot of people have already. Put Maybe their car away. Past that time of year, but it's right. close. So some it's people close. are doing it right now. And you've got a number of tips that you right. put together. And whether you've already stored the car or you're getting ready to this weekend, this Here's is stuff things, that still applies. Yep, things you ought to think about. Some of it's obvious, maybe. Probably. Some of it's not, right? Right. Yeah. Right. right. Run with it, Dan. What do you okay. got? So, uh, number one on our list is a battery. Um, and what we're talking about is maintaining the charge in the battery. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty simple to do with a uh, trickle charger or what would also be called, you know, a maintenance charger, something that just puts a little bit of current into the battery, not something to charge a dead battery with. It's just to maintain the proper charge on the battery. Right. An alternative to that would be 
removing the uh, terminals from the battery and just having it sitting in the car, not attached to the car. That sometimes is not such a good choice, especially with modern cars that have all sorts of features that are drawing off the battery over time. Even when the car's off. Right. Things like power locks and you don't really realize there's computers and stuff that are actually drawing a little bit from the battery. You lose your clock settings. You lose your presets on your radio. Well, I had a van. I don't know. It was a few years ago and we didn't store that one either. Oh. We just left that one. But anyway, it was relatively new, and the battery died. And what I found to my – it was terrifying at first because nothing would work anymore. My my radio would not work until I entered a code. Oh, right, right. That was a pain. So Then I had to dig up my code. Right. Yeah, things get very complicated. You don't want to do that. Setting right, the so clock better... is hard enough. <laughs> right, yeah. right. Yeah. So, so a lot of times it's easiest just to use one of these trickle chargers, one of these maintenance chargers, hook that onto your car battery, leave everything connected. That will prevent problems with the battery draining down over the course of the winter. Now, when you dug into this, there are like boatloads of, of things we could talk about when it comes to batteries. There is all kinds of people out there with problems with batteries. So we're going to make a whole segment out of that yeah, some in other a few day. weeks. Right. Yeah. yeah, we'll talk about batteries in depth some other day. Yeah. So, But anyway, that's number one. Uh, put a trickle charger on it. You'll be happy you did. The second thing that really you should be working on and uh, when you store your vehicle is uh, something that I didn't believe at first was real. Oh, you thought it was fake? Yes. I always kind of poo-pooed this as, you know, this is people that are just too concerned about their car. All right. And that is flat spots on the tires. It turns out that my intuition is wrong it is a real thing now i want to stop you a minute though are you talking because like my car i it sits outside in the winter and i get flat spots on the on the right. tires you're not talking well, you knew that happened right so in the morning you start up and drive yeah, away and your thun, car thun, it's thun, kind thun, of thun, yeah thun. a little bit of a rough ride for people a mile like or me two. bring it directly to the shop <laughs> and we cry you a complain. little yeah no yeah. i don't complain <laughs> oh i weep because I'm, I'm terrified that it's going to be, you know, that you know, he's right. going to tell me, you know, some huge thing has to be fixed. Right. And he told me, yeah, drive it a little more. Yeah. Once it's the tires fine. warm up, it's fine. So that's not what you're talking about. Right. Well, it's the same phenomenon, but in this case, from storing it for months and months and months, it can become permanent, that shake that you feel, that and flat And you thought spot that was tire. fake. I thought it was fake. It and you're wrong. Real, right. Yeah. Now, it could just be my personal experience. It could be wishful thinking on my part because I'm lazy and I don't want to go through the steps that are necessary to prevent flat spotting of tires. But the fact is, it is real. And it it also could be from the fact that maybe the cars that I store aren't susceptible to this. And that's really what it is, I think. So what would make a car susceptible to this? um, The type of tire has something to do with it. A high-performance car with a low-profile tire... Um, those and a high performance tire, the 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 way that they're constructed, the type of rubber they're made from, etc., makes them more susceptible to this flat spotting and more likely for that to be permanent. Um, the cars that I've stored have been like some four wheel drive trucks. Well, they have a huge beefy tire that doesn't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of like the Ford Transit Connects. Yeah, right. Big, beefy huge, tires. Beefy, and manly it's a man's tire. vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. It's a working man's vehicle. So, so I found out that this is real. And according to you know tire manufacturers' websites, mo- most of them have something about this. So how do you avoid it as we're putting our high-performance cars away for the, for the season? There's a few different ways. Okay. 
um, the traditional old way that I've you know I've heard of and I've always resisted is to put your car up on blocks to to use uh, jack stands to jack your car up and take all the weight off the tires. Mm-hmm. Instead, it's resting on the jack stands. Yeah. It's a lot of work. It, it sounds like a lot of work. And sometimes if you're in tight quarters, it's hard to get a jack in and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. So that's the one I've always disregarded, but it's the traditional. Okay. Uh, alternatives to that are a simpler. One is increase the tire pressure in, in your tires. What's happening with your tires, it has a bulgy part at the bottom where it's touching the ground. Mm-hmm. The rest of the tire is nice and round, and it's that flat spot at the bottom, that bulgy part, that's what causes this vibration in this flat spotting phenomenon. Right. Um, by inflating the tires more, it eliminates that little bulgy part. Generally, about 20% more than typically would be recommended. You know, most cars are somewhere between 30 and 35 pounds of air in a tire, mm-hmm. increase that to about 40 pounds, let's say. But you have to remember in the spring, when you take the car out of storage, to take some of that air out again. Yeah, use a sticky note. Yeah, right. Put that right there. Put it on the, on the steering wheel or on the windshield where you can't- yeah. you're Tie a gonna string see around it. your finger, but that's going <laughs> to Yeah, for several months. For a while. <laughs> so that's one way to deal with it. Yep. Increase the tire pressure in your car tires. Another way would be to um, move the car every few weeks- a foot or so. Move mm-hmm. it forward a foot, move it back a foot. Then that bulgy spot is moving on the tire, and it's not going to create this permanent flat spot. Right. That's a pretty simple way to do it. And then you found some other items. Yeah. What are they called? Flat stoppers? Flat stoppers. The and they're manufactured in? in the Upper Peninsula. Upper Peninsula. Yeah. Michigan, Michigan made. product, yeah. And what this is, is imagine sort of a cradle, a curved, dished uh, surface that the tire sits in, and so it prevents that pressure spot. Point. It prevents that flat spot, um, and all you have to do really is drive your car onto these things. That, uh, they're sort of like a ramp, mm-hmm. um, very, very low to the ground. Yeah. So right. if you go fast, you're not going to do a Dukes of Hazard thing and jump. Yeah, you're over not going to. Right. Right. Now, some people have said they they've experienced where they try to drive onto these things and they kind of skid forward on a really slippery floor. You might need to jack up the car to slip these. Gotcha. Yeah. Cradly flat stoppers underneath. But what that does is it prevents this pressure point and prevents the flat spotting from occurring. So and they're about, we looked them up, they're about- 150, 200 bucks. Yeah, yeah, definitely worth it if you drive a vehicle that you're storing. Well, not like you said, not every vehicle that's stored is a diamond. Right. Some of them are a little- But some people think that, yeah, I mean, some people think. People have a great affinity for all sorts of vehicles. Let's put it that way. Yeah. So if your vehicle matters, that might be a very simple solution to this flat spotting. Right. What else? I know that we wanted to get into the whole oil and fuel thing. Right. I mean, they're two different components, but we're kind of cramming them together. Well, so there, yeah. uh, Let's start with fuel. Um, Best to fill up your gas tank. You think, well, why should I do that? It's a waste of money. I'm I'm going to put all that money into my gas tank and then just sit there all mm-hmm. winter. Well, it's important because fuel contains a little bit of water, a little bit of alcohol, and that is you know wants to attract water. Your gas tank could rust if it's empty. If it's full, it won't rust. Uh, there's no way for oxygen to get at the metal and rust it. So mm-hmm. store it with a full tank of gas and also use a, a fuel stabilizer. Uh, fuel stabilizers prevent gas from breaking down over time, mm-hmm. which naturally happens. And maybe you notice when you start your mower in the spring that it coughs right. a bunch of black smoke mm-hmm. and doesn't run well. Um, That's why we always recommend running it empty 
or yeah. filling it and storing yeah, or, so or like yeah, adding a, a stabilizer. With a mower, it, generally they have a plastic gas tank. They're not going to rust. Mm-hmm. Cars are always a metal steel gas tank. So anyway, a little bit of fuel stabilizer in there, full tank of gas. Oil change is preferred before you store the car. And the reason for that is as you're driving the car throughout the summer, um, it's stirring up all the gunk that ends up in your oil. And if you'd let it sit all winter long, that gunk settles down into the oil pan and can really cause some problems. It's best to get that purge that oil before it has a chance to settle, all that gunk settle out. So do an oil change, if at all possible, before you store the car. And then the last one was critters. Yeah. I like that. That's, I don't know that's if you've Dan's ever... That's Dan's note, critters. <laughs> Dealing with critters. Yeah. A mouse in your heating system is not good. A mouse anywhere generally is isn't not good. great. A, but a mouse it, in a field somewhere okay, running that, around. That's, that's fine. That's, right. It's where they should be. Inside your car is not, not where good. you want a mouse. So there's different ways of dealing with that as well. My preferred is just those little cardboard boxes with mouse bait in them and put one by each tire of the car. That's how they're going to get into your car is they're going to climb up on the tires. So put a little mouse bait there. That'll keep your you from having a really bad experience in the spring when you turn on your air conditioner or heater. Yeah, yeah. A lot of stuff you can do. If you've already stored your car, you can still go back if you've missed a couple of these things, catch it. If you're storing it this weekend or coming up soon, some things to think about. One thing you didn't mention, and before we wrap this up, I want to get back to it very briefly because it was interesting with the tire flat spotting. Yeah. You talked about, you know, the the issue is you drive around and it's not really the friction of the tires going over the road that's heating up the tires. It's the flexing of the tire, that bulgy part that we were talking about. So you drive it to the garage where you're going to store it, if that's a lengthy drive, the tires you just get heat it up warm. all the tires, you need to probably, what, let it sit for a little bit before you put it away for good. And yeah, and then maybe drive it around the block a little bit before you store it permanently. Um, it's not a good idea to go from that warm state to a very cold state, like, um, right away. It's better to have that be, a, a, to let the tires cool down, then drive it just a little bit, not enough to get them hot, just enough to get them rolling a little bit, mm-hmm. and then put the car away. Then put the car away. Don't and put then, the car away with hot tires. Right. Then make use of some of the other things we talked about, and that will help you avoid flat spotting, right? That's right. Now, we're going to take a break, but when we come back, we're going to be dealing with a question that we received from one of our listeners about the wood finishing segment that we did last week, and specifically, we'll be talking about friction polishing, what it is, what some of the limitations of it might be, and what some of the alternatives out there are. We'll get to all of that just ahead. Stick around. If you want to take your DIY skills up a rung, the Repco Light Home Improvement Show is here to give you a boost on News Radio Wood 1300 and 1069 FM. Well, Dan, last week we talked about clear coatings for wood. Yep, interior. Interior, yeah, yeah. And we've got a number of questions that came through on the internet. That was really quite fun. And one of the questions involved a process that you and I had talked about and we had wanted to include in our discussion of clear coatings, but we didn't have time. And it's friction polishing. Right. And we received the question from a wood shop where they do a fair amount of wood turning on a lathe. Right. And if you've... Like bowls and bowls. candlesticks and... Right, right. If you do... Ballpoint pens. Any ballpoint pens. Yeah. yeah. Out yeah. of wood. Out of wood. Right. Yeah. yeah. If you do any 
scrolling around the internet, you've run into YouTube videos of somebody turning something on a lathe. And if you're like me, you're wondering how do they pick up all the all the little chips and all the mess that flies. All the shavings. Yeah, I always think, wow, what a big mess that is. I just like watching the shavings come off as yeah. they're turning. Well, yeah, I, I figure that's cool. I just am always focused on the cleanup part. <laughs> but if you watch them finish it, they'll often use a, some sort of liquid on a rag, on a pad. And right. Run that right over it as it's spinning on the lathe at yeah. reduced speeds and polish it. Basically finish it while it's on the lathe. Exactly. And the question we received was a lot of those involve wax or contain wax, those friction polishes. Right. Most of them do. Yes. And so the question was, how does that fit into the grand scheme of things when it comes to uh, coatings? Right. Well, uh, you know, wax, what we talked about last week, is actually a contaminant on a surface, you know, and a lot of times it prevents the adhesion of other coatings over top of it. So when you use a friction polish, it is going to be the final finish. Right. That's the big thing to remember is if you're using this in a shop or something like that, it is the final finish. That's what you've got. You can because maybe, of the wax content. Right. No, you can't put uh, some of the more durable coatings over top of it, like a, a polyurethane poly. or a lacquer or something like that. Right. Possibly another shellac could go over it. But as right. we mentioned last week, it's super old technology and it's not necessarily the most durable right. of finishes. So, you know, th- there are those limits. And that's what we wanted to get into a little bit. The, the wax that's in these, a lot of it comes from the shellac. I it naturally we, occurs from the shellac right. itself. And we should go back one step and just say that most friction polishes are a combination, basically, of an oil of some sort, like a boiled linseed oil, let's say. Not right. all of them, but some of them. A shellac. And, and wax. Right. And, and the Additional wax. wax beyond maybe the wax that occurs naturally in the shellac. Right. And that's where we wanted to talk quickly about is that there is a natural wax that occurs in right pretty much all shellacs yeah you know we mentioned last week that shellac is made from these flakes it's the excretion of a bug yeah the excretion we normally <laughs> say secretion and we ran into another article and it, it was a little more clear <laughs> now we know which end it comes from <laughs> right <laughs> but anyway you've got these flakes and and as we mentioned last week they can be a lot of different depths of color. Some right. of them can be very dark, very ambered. To all the way to very pale, very almost pale. totally transparent like water. Right. The more refined ones that are, you know, the, the paler, Lighter color. Those have less wax. Correct. The darker the color, the more likely it is to have a larger amount of wax in it. Right. So anyway, that's what you get when you, you've got this friction polish. It's, it's nice because it, it goes very fast. You, like we said, we've got it on the lathe, you put it on a pad. And you basically work that over the piece as it spins, yep. and the, the the spinning and the friction and all that cures it, and you create smooths this, it. Yeah, this polish, and you can create these really impressive high gloss builds very very quickly. Right. The downside is it's got the wax, and you're very limited from that point on. So we were trying to think. There's got to be a better solution, right? Where you can still do the friction polish, but not include the wax. You know? So, yeah, that's when we get into this thing that's called de-waxed shellac. Right. So it's really interesting. We found a couple of DIY mixtures for a friction polish that doesn't contain wax, or it's got negligible amounts. Right. You know, not very, very enough, small amount. Right. Not enough to be a problem. So as Dan mentioned, you can buy de-waxed shellac. Right. You can get flakes that are de-waxed. Right. Or you can de-wax it yourself. Correct. That's kind of cool. Yeah. 
It's kind of a fun process. And the waxed shellac is very easy to find. Right. Dewaxed shellac is harder to find. Right. Um, so normally what you'd find at the paint store is is the waxed types. And that's what we've got. Bullseye. <coughs> right. Clear Bullseye. shellac. Yep. It's got wax in it. It does have wax. We popped the lid on it. It's been sitting around on the shelf for a little while, so it had time to separate. One way you can tell whether it has wax in it or not is how clear it is. If it has a cloudiness to it, that cloudiness is the wax. Right. So there are a number of ways when you look online to de-wax your shellac. Right. One of them is, is to decant it, basically. To let the wax settle to the bottom. And then pour out. Gently pour the top off. The problem with that, though is that that wax can easily and it, readily swirl through yeah, and end up... it's hard. Yeah, it's very difficult to do. Another idea was to pour it through paint strainers. And a coffee filter after that. Oh, and a coffee filter. Yeah, you got to go pretty, oh, multiple, pretty fine. Yeah. Multiple ranges of stuff. Yeah. And the process sounded really, really slow. And messy. And messy. Time-consuming, yeah. Paint strainers. See, there, there's... Multiple paint strainers. Everybody thinks of cone strainers. Right. Little paper cones. Which have a purpose. They They're have a useful. Purpose, but they use them for everything. Right. But if you really want to strain paint, you know, you got chunks in your paint and stuff like that, and you want to strain that out, we've got bag strainers right. that are different sizes for a single gallon and for a five gallon. And it's just a mesh bag way faster. Right. Way Much more faster. surface area. That's why. Yeah. It's it's way, way better to use. But that's a, that's a segue or a sidestep, a tangent. There you go. That's a tangent. <laughs> so you can pour it through paint strainers. Not the best way to go. We've right. got a better way. Yeah. And you stumbled into this one. Right. Um, what I found online was a process by which you would take the shellac mm-hmm. and pour it into a bottle, a, a, a squirt bottle, say like a, a clean dishwashing detergent bottle. Right. Three quarters full of shellac and then a quarter of mineral spirits. And mineral spirits is is not typically what we would use to thin shellac. In fact, it isn't compatible with shellac. Shellac right. is thinned with alcohol. But, but the mineral spirits will attach to, attract, mix with the wax. And then it will separate out over time. You just pour this quarter of mineral spirits in with the three quarters of shellac, yep. shake it up real good, then tip the bottle upside down so that the nozzle is pointing down. Of course, it's closed. Yes, that's that's important. That's really important. <laughs> and then wait. Wait a day, and the two parts will separate. The mineral spirits will come to the surface with the wax in it, and the clear shellac will be underneath that. It's then, upside down. Yeah, you just pop the top yep, just and open carefully it up squeeze it out into the bottle or into Until you get to the waxy part. Then stop. Yeah, and there you go. There you've got de-waxed, homemade, kind of homemade. Yeah, I'd say it's homemade. Homemade de-waxed shellac. And then, this is where we found a friction polish, because that's what we're talking about. That's where we want to get. Now we've got our component, which is the de-waxed shellac, which is important. And you basically mix that with boiled linseed oil. We found a recipe online that looks like it makes a lot of sense. It will work. So it's boiled linseed oil, this de-waxed shellac, and denatured alcohol. Right. And we'll put the the actual recipe in the show notes. I'm not going to go through all the little little bit of this, little bit of that. That's all in the show notes. Just go to repcolite.com and you can check it out. But that friction polish will work just like all the other ones. It's super inexpensive to make. Right. Because some of the well-known friction polishes can be, we looked up one, the most well-known one is 35 bucks For a, essentially a pint. For a pint. You can make it yourself way cheaper. Oh, yeah. And this one that you're making that we just described won't have the wax in it. So the the benefit is that you can you can coat the whole, you know, whatever piece you're working on, you can use this as its final coat, but you can also down the road switch to a polyurethane 
or lacquer. Put something else over top of it. Something else over top of it. Be safe with it, yeah. If you want to do that. So friction polishing. Yeah. It's it's basically the modern version of French polishing that we talked about last week. It uses the the lathe, the machine, to actually do do most of the work. Yeah, because French polishing takes a ton of work. Yeah, a lot of elbow grease. A lot of elbow grease, a lot of sweats involved. Right. So other ways, a lot easier. Yep. Anyway, the big thing to take away, because not everybody's going to be out there turning wood in their shop. Yeah. That's, yeah. you know, it's, it's real specialized today. But for some of you, you it's know, important. It's important. It's very interesting. For, for everybody, though, one thing to take away is that any shellac, because we talked about that last week, it's one of those terms that people use for a clear coat for wood. Yeah. It's just a generic term we sometimes use. I need a shellac. The thing to remember is that. Almost all of the shellacs you're going to buy have the, a wax naturally in them. Right, which causes of, some compatibility problems. And you can have compatibility problems going to a better coating down the road. So you always want to be a little careful when you're working on something important to make sure you're putting the right coatings on top of it so it's preserved in the way you want it to be. Last the way you expect it to. Exactly. Now, when we come back, we're going to be talking about things we can do over the holidays because who knows what exactly the holidays are going to be like this year. It's going to probably be different. Different. But we want to still stay connected. So we've right. got some ideas. And we're going to have fun. Yeah, we'll have fun with that. That's all next. Stay tuned. If you want to take your DIY skills up a rung, the Repco Light Home Improvement Show is here to give you a boost. On News Radio Wood 1300 and 106.9 FM. And we're back. And we had promised, Dan, that we were going to talk about ways to gather this holiday season when, in fact, we might not be gathering. Yeah. (laughs) Who knows what everybody's going to do? Everybody's going to make their own call. Right. Yep. That's not what we're talking about. We're just saying because some people are going to choose not to. I've talked to a number of people who are bummed but you know for health reasons and concerns right you know Old people members with, of their family yeah. that they're concerned about their health etc right it's, or people who are in you know I, I know somebody with asthma bad asthma who is deciding that, we have people in our family that are traveling or that would normally travel some distance and they're just not able to do that right now right so some of us are going to be gathering some of us are not going to be gathering but the chances are no matter what you're doing there's going to be family members probably choosing to opt out. Right. And so we did our best to brainstorm some things that you can do to bring everybody together still. And there are some obvious ones, right? We're not going to spend tons of time on that. Right. But there's Zoom. There's FaceTime. We've all found those things already. A lot of us have used those things already. Yeah, a lot of us aren't very good at doing those things, (laughs) but everybody knows about them at least. So we really don't need to talk about those too much. Right. Let's dig into some other things that are cool. Okay. And you've got a list and I've got a list. Yep. My list is shorter than yours, I think. Well, it's because I've been doing this longer and I'm better at it. Yes, right. No, I just like to fill the void, so I just (laughs) really, really go. Yeah. I'll start with one. Again, it's pretty, pretty basic, pretty obvious, and we're not just talking about uh, Thanksgiving. Uh, we're talking the whole holiday season. Yeah. And personal letters right, is right. a really cool thing. It's not something that many of us do. You know, we, we'll maybe send a Christmas card. Right, you but know, actually write a letter. Actually write a letter and actually write. With your hand a letter. and a pen. Yes, a handwritten letter. Right. That is so cool. It's I, rare these days. And that's what makes it so cool. I agree. You know, we've got email where you zap off an email really fast. Yeah. And you can still get the same intent across. You know, you can right. convey whatever message and it's instant. And there's a lot of value to that. That's nice. 
But when you get a handwritten letter, this just it really conveys the idea of time spent. You right. know, somebody put time and effort into this. And there's a whole other side of it that makes it very interesting is because they, they can be kept and you want to hang on to them. Right. You're more, not going to just throw it in the trash. No, more so than even a typed letter or Absolutely. a printed letter. Because this is actually something the other person held, wrote onto. You can see the indentions of the pen or whatever, the misspellings, and all of that can play out. The in personalization. A hey, it's, it's written for you, to you. Exactly. There's no spell check correcting it. Right. You know, so you get the whole thing. You really get this impression of the person that's separated by distance. So I, I was digging into that just because I figured there had to be huge sentimental value for handwritten letters. Right. And yeah, it's all over the place. How important those are to people. They're treasured items. And I found a great quote from Liz Carpenter. Are you familiar? No, I'm no, not. No, I had no idea. Either. She was the press secretary for Lady Bird Johnson. Oh, so I would have been a little stunned, bit my time. <laughs> stunned if you had known. But anyway, she had a great quote where she wrote, What a lot we lost when we stopped writing letters. You can't reread a phone call. So How true. Yeah, I thought that was really fun. So anyway, my kids found, uh, I, one of the things that made this come to mind is my grandpa passed away a number of years back, and we just recently found a card from him that... He had handwritten his little note to the kids on, and we just found it like two weeks ago with a little $10 bill taped inside of it yet, and the kids never pulled the money out of it. They took oh, it. Oh, really? Yeah. It was my son Andrew's card, and now it's on his dresser with the money taped in, but the value is in the little handwritten scrawl from Grandpa. So, right. And it doesn't have to be a great big long letter, no. especially if you have a lot of them that you want to send to all your family members. It's just a few sentences of you know heartfelt um, sentiments. Yeah. Simple, straightforward. Yeah. There you go. That was one of my ideas. That's a good idea. I could quick, let me quick add on to that because another way to do that that I thought would be kind of fun is a lot of the times around Christmas we do a gift exchange. Right. What if you exchange names and just sent a letter to that particular person? Oh, you know, sure. Or a card or whatever. Again, just a simple way to stay in touch. You remove the whole gift thing because sending gifts- it It's could, complicated. Complicated. Get a little more expensive- Sending cards, pretty straightforward, pretty easy. Again, keeps people connected, keeps the kids, I guess I think of my kids writing to aunts or uncles or cousins or whatever. It yeah. just keeps everybody connected Now, another a little, little branch takeoff of that is, I don't know if members of your family have ever gotten into the end of the year Christmas letter where they, they send a newsletter kind of summarizing what happened in their family throughout mm -hmm. the year. Usually that's done by- <laughs> Nobody the... wants to read 2020 <laughs> summaries. <laughs> that's true. I haven't really thought about that. Maybe anyway, it's actually good. Maybe be, fake it. Maybe you can feel good about yourself knowing that other people have had horrible experiences. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think it might be great to involve the entire family. Instead of it being the head of the household or mom that writes that letter for the whole family, why not have each person in the family just write a sentence or two um, from their perspective yeah. for, the, for the Christmas letter, for the end of the year wrap up? Yeah, I like that. Even for a 2020 year. Yeah. Yeah. What, what do you have? Um, well, you just but, threw that out there. Is that one of your ideas? Well, yeah. I mean, that as far as following along oh, with okay. what you're talking about with mailing things, you know, the other thing that seems to have, we've gotten away from in our family over the last few years, and and it feels I'm sad that we've gotten away from mm -hmm. it, and that is Christmas cards. Um, we always sent Christmas cards to all the members of our family, both sides of the family, and they responded with Christmas cards. It was a big thing. 
And I don't know if it was the cost of postage or why. Maybe it's because a lot of our families now, our kids are older. and mm -hmm. A lot of the purpose was to send a picture of your family. And, oh, wow, look how big those kids are. You look know? how short Dan has gotten. <laughs> is he shrinking? Look how short he still is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we've gotten away from that over the last few years, and I think this year we're going to get back into it. Well, that's cool. I like that. Yeah. I had one idea. I don't know that th this certainly doesn't work for everybody. But I think this is I really I think fun. all of them, let me just interject and say, I think a lot of the things we're talking about in this little segment don't apply to a lot of people. I mean, right. don't apply to everybody. Right. You, you pick and situation choose. situation is different. Pick and choose. But if you're, I don't know if you're familiar with um, The Princess Bride, the movie. Yeah. There was a reenactment where a bunch of Hollywood actors reenacted scenes from the movie in their own homes during the quarantine. Right. Back in right. the spring. All separately. All separately, using whatever props they had available. And it made it very funny right. because it was really, really basic and dumbed down. But they quoted the lines from the movie and put it all together. And it was really fun. It's really fun. cool. What if we... I'm going to do that with my kids. And I'm trying to get my family involved in this, where we all, as a family, each family recreates a scene from one of their favorite Christmas movies. I think that's a Shoots wonderful idea. That's and then great. sends it around. And then we're going to do like a mini award ceremony you know whether oh, right, right. whether it's virtual or whether we're there best actor we're allowed actress, actress. to have christmas yes <laughs> you know i don't know right, yeah. but yeah best actor best actress and you could even re you know reprise that again next year i think it could be reprised and the other thing that i think is really fun about that is as the years go by if you could pull it off for several years if it becomes a thing Think how fun that'd be to go back to these old videos. Oh, right. As everybody's sure. growing and everybody's changing and stuff like that. Yeah, you as want I'm to record this, more. right, as you do it. Yeah, it's all video. You do it on video and send that around. So it's shot as a video. So Princess Bride would be your movie? No, I would probably do Elf. Oh, yeah, me too. As a Christmas sure. movie. Absolutely. Yeah, that would be a lot of fun. <laughs> Anything else? Yeah, one more thing. You know, we were talking about having a little bit of a um, competition yeah. or a prize award thing, right? Um, one of the things that my daughter and I talked about possibly doing this holiday season is we're going to send around a little package of ingredients for to each one of our family members, wherever they might be, yeah. um, and that will be for baking cookies. Okay. And what we're going to do is we're all going to get online and we're all going to be on you know Zoom together. We're going to bake the cookies together. We're going to decorate them together wherever we might be, and then we're going to have a little competition to see whose uh, cookies are decorated the best. Oh, decorated the best. It's yeah, because well, you can't really do that well, over the internet. Win. <laughs> <laughs> mm. <laughs> That's right. a really good idea. I so, like that. Yeah. I, we're hoping it works out. You know, we're not sure we're going to do it, but maybe we will. I hope we will. I think All it'll right. be fun. Well, let me know if it works out. I will. If it doesn't, let me know. Either way, we'll let everybody know. <laughs> exactly. And if anybody out there has a great idea of something you're going to do this holiday season, shoot those ideas over to us at radio at repcolite.com. And yeah, if there's really good ones, we'll talk about them, right? Yeah, we talk about I, them. we'll talk about anything, really. All right, that's all the time we've got. If you want to catch this episode again, you can find it online at repcolite.com. And we do want to make you aware very quickly that for the next two Saturdays, because of staffing issues, we're going to be closed. Unfortunately, yeah, our stores are going to be closed. All the Repcolite and Port City Paint stores are going to be closed Saturday, November 21, today. And next week, Saturday, November 28. And then we'll be open again December 5 and moving forward again. Yep. Right. That's our hope. All right. Whatever you do today, make sure you have a good one. Make sure paint's a part of it. I'm Dan Hansen. I'm Dan Altino. Thanks for listening.